first lesson is from uh, the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And this from Luke in the book Acts, uh, chapter 1, the first three verses. In my former book, O Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until he was taken into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to his disciples he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them with many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he spent a period of 40 days with them talking about the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Last week I was channel surfing, and I hit upon the uh, the movie Ghost with uh, Patrick Swayze and uh, Demi Moore. I guess they were showing it in, in remembrance uh, or honoring uh, Patrick Swayze. But if you'll remember the story, Sam and Molly have a very happy relationship, but Sam dies uh, tragically. The thing is that uh, Molly doesn't know Sam has been murdered by his business partner who was, who was about to be discovered uh, by Sam for his uh, illegal activities. And so from his death, Sam tries to work through a medium to speak from the dead to warn Molly about his business partner and about his death. It's an interesting premise. If people could come back from the dead and speak, what kind of messages would they want to give to us? Jesus tells a parable, actually, to this point. It's about a rich man, and when he's alive on earth, he totally ignores the needs of other people. And he dies and goes to a place where he doesn't want to be. So he wants to send back from the dead warning to his brothers. And the warning is, don't ignore those who are poor. Other messages, I suppose, people might want to send. They might want to remind us that uh, all the things we gathered on earth we couldn't take with us. Or maybe they might want to say the things we worried about so much in the long run may not have been all that significant. Who knows what sort of messages would come back from people from the dead if they could bring it. But this we do know. Jesus died. And he came back, and for 40 days he spent with his disciples bringing this one message And the Bible tells us that the message Jesus brought back was a message about the kingdom of God. Forty days straight, he talked about the kingdom of God. Now, that's really not so surprising because if you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find out that the kingdom of God is actually Jesus' favorite topic. He talks more about that than faith. He talks more about that than love. He talks more about that than the first runner-up, which is money and possessions. Jesus talks more about the kingdom of God than Jesus talks about anything else. Some famous uh, scriptures from Jesus, you'll remember, point in this direction. In Matthew, he says in chapter 6, Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. In uh, the Lord's Prayer, he teaches them, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. He speaks about the kingdom. The whole Sermon on the Mount is three chapters of Jesus talking about life in the kingdom of God. It was his favorite and, I think, his main subject. Now, a couple things need to be said before we go forward. The first is this. Sometimes you'll hear the phrase kingdom of heaven. 
And you wonder if that's different than kingdom of God. And basically what's at root there is some, there are some very pious Jews in Jesus' day and, and still today who will not utter God's name. It's too sacred, too holy. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, they would substitute the word heaven. But basically they're interchangeable. It's the same concept. And if we were to define what, to define what the kingdom of God means, this is perhaps the easiest way to describe it. The kingdom of God is where God's rule um, exists or where God's uh, will is done, where things run according to the way God uh, wants them to run. Wherever God rules in a person's life, in a, in a situation, uh, that you, we can say the kingdom of God is present there. And that's what Jesus made his main message. Now, last week I mentioned to you that for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how the church sort of got off course and, and walked away from the ancient paths that could guide us not just through familiar territory, but even through the unfamiliar territory of the 21st century. And it won't take very long to figure this one out. Rarely do you hear churches preach and teach about the kingdom of God. Instead, we've turned Jesus' message into believe and go to heaven. Have faith and get whatever you want. There's all sorts of ways that we've, we've changed the message and oftentimes put the focus on not this life in this world and what God is doing and God's kingdom when we put it on someplace else. We've actually taken the locus of God's activity and we've moved it from earth where the kingdom of God was moving forward and we shift it to some pie in the sky or something by and by that we will all uh, hopefully come into one day. And so you get books like Left Behind, uh, fun reading, but could millions of copies of Left Behind be wrong? And the answer in a word is yes, because the message of Left Behind is pity those poor people who are still on earth because God's main stuff is being done in heaven and we want to escape and be there. That was never Jesus' message. His message was our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom done, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' focus was moving with God on earth. And what God was doing, Jesus was a part of that on earth with people like you and me. So, what happened, I think, and we got off the path, is we moved the focus from earth and trying to do what God wants done on earth to escaping earth. And so revivals are held and sermons are preached so people can get off this planet. When Jesus' main message was, heal this planet. Be a part of what God is doing. Now, why is that necessary? Why was God's main focus on earth? Well, in a word, earth is messed up. According to uh, the scriptural story, which if you join in the reading and studying of the story, you'll, you'll see this theme run all the way through. Uh, when Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, they messed up. And since then, beauty and harmony, justice, love, what, what the Jews would call shalom, got out of whack. And chaos entered and poverty and illness and sickness and hate and violence entered the system. And God said, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to fix it. But what God said is, I'm going to fix it working with my people. And this concept that was well known in Jesus' day before he ever uttered one sermon was called the kingdom of God. The phrase the Jews have for it today is probably familiar to you. It's called tikkun alam, to fix that which is broken. 
world is messed up. It's broken. God intends to work with us and fix it. In Jesus' day, they pretty much said they called it the kingdom of God. World's a mess. God's rule, God's ways, God's will has to be reinstated on this planet and rule in every heart and every situation. And so to get that started in a big way, God sends God's one and only son to inaugurate the kingdom of God. As Bishop N.T. Wright of Durham, England uh, says, this is God's rescue operation. It is God putting right what went so tragically wrong and what continues to be wrong in this day. And that's God's mission. That's God's mission is not to get us out of earth to heaven, but to get the ways of heaven here on earth. It's not denying heaven, not denying that we'll exist in heaven. It's to say the focus of God's activity is not limited there. God's activity is to try and um, working with us to see that God's will is done on earth. N.T. Wright again puts it this way. What was new and different about Christianity? Was it a, a new moral example? Was it a new teaching? Was it a new route to heaven? And he dismisses all of those and says there's some truth in all of them. But he said basically what happened in Christianity through Jesus was that God was finding lives, saving lives, and bringing new life to this world and doing it all through his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the kingdom of God. It is God's rule advancing on the earth. My favorite metaphor for this you've probably heard before. It's, uh, it's from World War II. Uh, and you'll recall when the Allies began uh, to plan the invasion of, uh, of France that uh, Field Marshal Rommel knows that if the Allies establish a beachhead uh, on Normandy, well, he didn't know it was Normandy at the time, wherever it was, he knew the war would be over. It'd be a matter of time, and they'd get supplies and troops, and, and the war would be done. Other generals thought, let them land, we'll trap them between us and the sea, and we'll win the war. And he kept trying to tell them, no, if they land, it's over, it's just a matter of time. Well, the beachhead was established, the Allies landed, and it took another 11 months or so. But the war was over. In the same way, when God makes one bold swipe at fixing the world and instituting the kingdom, God establishes the beachhead in Jesus Christ. And once that happens, the war's as good as over. Now, the battle still breaks out, and there's still suffering, and there's still sickness, and there's still loneliness, and there's still poverty. But it's just a matter of time that while these battles continue because the victory has been won in Christ. So the issue becomes for the church, how do we participate in the kingdom of God? And my answer for that would be in two big ways and in numerous small ways. The big way, which I think the church has had right for two millennia, is this. We begin to participate in the kingdom of God by accepting Christ as our Savior and committing to him as our Lord. That is how the kingdom of God comes upon us. We take God's rule through Jesus Christ on our lives. By the way, the way in Jesus' day, before Jesus, that they inaugurated the kingdom of God or said they were part of it is they did it through the Shema. They said, when we say and live out the Shema, we're making God our king. Well, in Christ, that all comes together. And as he becomes our Savior and Lord, the kingdom of God comes within us. And the other big way, then, is for the kingdom of God then to advance through us, we must, as Jesus said, take up our cross and sacrifice our own kingdom. 
God's kingdom will not advance through us until we let our kingdoms go and we make God's kingdom our primary aim. If anything else other than God's kingdom is most important in our life and our world, God's kingdom won't advance very far with us. So the two big ways are to accept Christ as Lord and Savior and then to say, it's your kingdom, Lord, not mine that counts. And then after that, it's everywhere you go, office, work, home, recreation, wherever you are, you take the kingdom of God with you. And so in millions of small ways, God's rule gets advanced by you. As you, Everywhere you go, you leave love and you leave justice and you leave mercy and kindness behind you. Wherever you are, you just leave it as evidence that you were there. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he uses parables about things like seeds uh, and including the mustard seeds, which are real tiny. And I think he was saying is the kingdom of God is thousands of small acts of love done on behalf of God. And you may not even be around to watch them all bloom and grow. But because it is the kingdom of God and because we know God wins, you know that every kind act you do for another person is never wasted. Every time you reach out against sickness, against poverty, against loneliness, and even the smallest of ways, you have struck a blow for the kingdom of God. And it will not be in vain. The example that's often used by writers is a, a person working on a magnificent cathedral. The architect has a grand plan, but all you know perhaps as a stonemason is your plan, and you're working on this stone, and you know that it fits right here in the building. And while you're doing it, you don't see how it goes into the whole building yet. And you don't see the whole building complete. But one day, in its completeness, you step back and you see that what you did was part of something larger and more beautiful than you can imagine. That's the kingdom of God. Every time you love another person, in some way you are putting another stone in that wonderful building whose true extent and true greatness and beauty we probably won't see in our lifetime. But one day, when the kingdom of God, as Scripture says, comes upon the earth in Revelation, when the holy city comes down, we'll see how we played that role. The kingdom of God advancing in a million small ways through our acts of love. One of the ways that I think about it comes from my friend Scott Hare. He said that it's like we live in a firehouse in a fire station. And he says there are just millions of fires all around us, fires of loneliness and sickness and pain and poverty and injustice. And they're just all out there. And they're all burning. And he said God waits for us to hear the call slide down the pole and go be a part of fighting that fire. When you've done that, you've been a part of the kingdom of God and you have helped to bring God's kingdom to earth.